How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode 267 of X-Lapsed. And, uh, well, um, X-Lapsed trope time. Um, <laughs> you can take a drink every time I say this. Famine to feast and back to famine again. Uh, over the past few episodes, we had some, I, I don't want to say spectacular highs, but we've had highs, right? Uh, interest was peaked. Uh, we had all these theories. We had all this interesting stuff to... Receive, absorb, digest, just analyze, think about, stick with. And here we are in an issue of S.W.O.R.D., which, I mean, not to uh, not to bury the lead here, I feel like uh, is kind of fillery. Um, it's not bad, not by any stretch, but it is, in my opinion, uh, fillery and maybe just a little bit dull. But, um... I guess we ought to just get into it, right? This is Sword Volume 2, Number 8. Had a November 2021 cover date. The story's called Unbroken. Written by Al Ewing, with art by... Hmm. G-U-I-U. Giu? Is that how we say that? Guiu? I'm not sure. I apologize to uh, this artist, whose last name is Villanova. Uh, colors, Fernando Cifuentes of Proto Bunker Studios. That's a mouthful. Letters, VCs Ariana Marr. Designs, Tom Muller. Head of X for now is Hickman. Edit Samaro Bisa White Sabolski cover price four bucks. This one went on sale September the 29th of 2021, and this one is going to uh, this one's going to be a quickie, I think, uh, which is just as well. Uh, the wife and I spent the past um, near 40 hours running around to uh, various emergency vets for our my in-laws, her parents' dog, and uh, it's been. I'd say it's been a day, but it's been longer than a day. It just feels like it's the same day. So um, a shorter episode, a shorter issue, a less happening issue is probably just what the doctor or vet ordered in this uh, situation. So let's get in. We open with Storm arriving on Mars Araco. Now, she narrates the scene of her travels. Uh, she is, of course, the regent, and Araco has not yet broken her. Double-page spread, roll call, and cred. Our characters include Storm, Korra, Frenzy, Wizkid, and Tarn the Uncaring. Now, we return to comics content, and we're at the Circle Perilous. Now, this is kind of crucible It's kind of quarry-like. Um, it's, it's a fighting arena for Araco. And we learn here a little bit about the process with which one becomes a member of Araco's Great Ring. Now, of course, the Great Ring is the Iraqi analog to Krakoa's own Quiet Council. Now, it turns out, it's like, these aren't elected positions, these aren't really just, you know, positions you're put in. Here, you get your seat at the table by calling out and defeating a sitting council person of your choice in the Circle Perilous Arena. So, here we are. 
we meet a walking tar pit called Calderac, who seeks to challenge Storm for her seat. Now, Frenzy and Cora are in the crowd to give us a little bit of exposition, which I kind of already explained. So, you get the seat at the table by defeating the sitting council person of your choice. Bada bing. So, dude's here to call out Storm. She shows up uh, fashionably late. Uh, she sweeps in with a flurry of snow and ice and uh, puts the tar pit down. The tar pit here, he's, uh, he's like spewing lava and stuff. I mean, you can picture it, I'm sure. Now, he calls Storm a witch. She corrects him, claiming that she is not just a witch. She's a weather witch. So I guess she's going to try and take ownership of the insult. Um, in any event, Calderac yields. Now, there are three choices when you're in the... Uh, what is this place called? The Circle Perilous? The Circle Perilous. There are only three things that can happen here. You either win, you die, or you yield. And yield is basically a concession. You give up, but you still live. From here, it's info page time. And this is like an old school info page. Just a lot, a lot of information here. Here we learn about the nine seats of the Great Ring. Now, they're broken up, just like Krakoa is broken up in the seasons. These are broken up into times of day. So we have the dawn... Three seats of the dawn, and these are the seats that are deferred to in times of war. The first seat is the seat of victory. Now, this was once the seat of Mrs. Apocalypse, Genesis, and it now belongs to Iska the Unbeaten. Now, this seat is consulted when battles are won, basically to strategize where they go from here. Seat two is the seat of the stalemate. This one belongs to Idol, the seer, and this is consulted when there's no clear winner in a battle. Seat the third is the seat of loss. Now, our old friend from Hellions, Tarn the Uncaring, sits here, and he is consulted when the world has fallen, when Arako is, you know, humiliated on the battlefield of sorts here. Then we go to the day, the three seats of the day, and they are the seats that are deferred to in times of peace, and these are the ones that are currently being deferred to because we are in a peacetime, relatively speaking. Seat four is the seat of above us, and Laktuka sits here, and uh, Laktuka is consulted in matters of the heavens. Seat 5 is the seat of all around us, and that is Storm Seat. Now, this one covers matters of land, people, and weather, and also has an additional casting vote when it comes to making a vote, I guess. Uh, the seat sitter of the seat of all around us is considered the regent, as they do have a little bit more power, a little bit more say, a little bit more sway. Seat 6 is the seat of below us, and this is Sobonar's seat, and this is all about matters of the deep. So I don't know if that means underground, underwater, maybe both. Maybe neither. Next, we have the three seats of Dusk. Now, the Dusk seats are important in a consultant sort of way, uh, but they're never deferred to. They're never, like, they never get soul say. So seat seven is the seat of law, and Aura Serrata sits here, and they are consulted on legal matters. Seat eight is the seat of history. Xylo, who was Stulgid, sits here, and they are consulted on things like lore and, well, history. They record and <clears throat> decide the history of Arako, so at least they're upfront about it. Seat 9 is the Seat of Dreams. Lotus Logos sits here, and uh, they are consulted on things like culture, you know, art, poetry, song. Now, it's very seldom that this seat is challenged for, but in any time that it is, the battle never ends in a yield, so it's to the death every time. Uh, in addition to the seats, we also have the ground on which all rests. Zero, zero, the voice of Arako. And, I mean, you know, it's Arako. Uh, Arako usually speaks through Redroot, who is currently imprisoned somewhere in Jim Jasper's crooked market closet or something. 
Uh, so Araco hasn't spoken in a minute, but we're reminded here that it's always listening. We do get some guidelines, which state that there's never been a non-Omega-level mutant in the Great Ring. And also, there's a rumor that there are three additional seats of power. Perhaps they are Knight, whatever it's called. It would make the Great Ring a full 12, a full dozen, just like the Quiet Council. From here, we jump back to comics, and Storm arrives at the Great Ring. Now, Lotus Locus hurls a blade at her face, which she catches. Lotus, it's worth noting, kind of speaks in verse, which, you know, makes sense considering they're consulted on things like poetry and song. We learn that Storm called for this meeting as regent. Now, she's here to discuss the matter of Tarn the Uncaring going against Krakoa over in Hellions, which, of course, we've seen and we've read and we've discussed. And she reminds him that uh, to step against Krakoa is also stepping to her. Well, Tarn doesn't care in the slightest. He basically just laughs it off here. Um, Now, we learn here, or we're reminded here, that while Storm is a part of the Great Ring, she also maintains a seat at the table back on Krakoa's Quiet Council. I could have sworn she'd left. Maybe I'm... I got some crossed wires here. Maybe this is an editorial thing. It's probably me. I probably just made the assumption. So if that's the case, mea culpa. I've uh, I've led you astray as to where Storm sits. Anyway, the gist here is that uh, Tarn is challenging Storm's authority and uh, also challenging for her role as regent. It, it doesn't seem to be all that interested in becoming the regent. He more just wants to humiliate Storm, it seems. He really just has a problem with her. Uh, Storm then flashes back to how she won the position of regent, and, uh, well, we see her in the Circle Perilous fighting herself. Well, it's herself wearing her giant-size X-Men costume, and herself who is speaking in weird word balloons, and herself who keeps saying, I am you. Don't know what that's all about. Uh, From here, we jump right into the bout. Storm readies herself for battle, but... Well, all Tarn's got to do is say fall, and she plops down to the ground. You see, he edited her DNA with his mind, removing her mutant power. Also, he makes her look like a Claremontian fetish abomination, full of, like, tumors and tentacles. Uh, Tarn then asks Storm how she's gonna, you know, how she's gonna do this, how are you gonna fight? To which, she stabs him with that blade that Lotus Locust chucked at her during the meeting. And I mean, we... We've seen the stretch of comics where Storm was without powers and still quite capable, but I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that Tarn hasn't read those. Also, we did see Storm have that knife fight with Kalisto, and hell, I mean, we also saw during that forced goodbye dinner scene in Marauders that Storm's always got like Skady 800 knives hidden somewhere on her person. Anyway, Storm talks some trash, which actually appears to impress Tarn. And so, he yields. He begins to laugh, and he refers to Ororo as Storm the Uncaring, and suggests that she is truly of Arako, and perhaps even of a menth. From here, we pop back to Storm's quarters, where she's been met by Frenzy and Wizkid for a little bit of a debriefing, I suppose, and everything appears to be cool, I guess. Uh, we wrap up the issue with Storm stepping out onto her balcony and seeing a vision of herself with a mohawk among the stormy clouds. And that's where we leave it. Next episode, the October finale, where we're going to take a look at Wolverine. And, well, what can I even say about this issue of S.W.O.R.D.? Um, Well, like I said at the start, I think I said it at the start. It's been, you know, 10, 15 minutes ago. I don't remember necessarily, but uh, it felt like filler. It felt like, um, you know, like one of those uh, dreaded deadline doom sort of things, where it's a story that's in a drawer somewhere, just in case something runs late. 
Uh, I mean, it's kind of telling that we have a different artist here. The art is certainly not up to the standards of a, of a Shidi, but, uh, I mean, it was passable, I suppose. But it didn't help the feeling that uh, this was filler or inventory. Uh, we do get a little bit of lore here. I mean, we get like a, I guess, an old school info page where we actually get like just a boatload of information that works better as an info page than it would just, you know, going around the room with introductions and whatnot. So I, I kind of dug that. Unfortunately, and I mean, this is a Chris problem to be sure. Yeah, we get lore and I love lore. But this is lore about a place that I really don't care about and characters that I really don't care about. It's uh, it's one of those toughies, right, where I, I appreciate the effort, and I'm always a big fan of world building, but I still haven't I still haven't found it in me to to care about these characters. I mean, to be honest, I haven't committed a, any of them outside of like Iska and Tarn to my uh, long term memory. You you could line up all these characters, and I could point out those two, and I spend a lot of time with these books, so um. They're forgettable characters. They just don't feel they just don't feel important to me. I think that's that's certainly not a problem with this book. It's not certainly not a problem with this issue. It's more of the uh, I mean, we can go back to the uh, the Hickman method of character introductions, where it's just like here's 15 characters, care about them, and it's like uh, you need a little bit more than that. <laughs> you can't just say these are important people and we're just gonna buy it. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on with the Storm doppelganger in the flashback. Um, and again, I'm not sure I'm really all that interested in finding out. I do wonder where they're going to go with all this if uh, the sword book is ending uh, in December like it's rumored to be. I guess we might assume that it could be Sword Volume 3, number 1, coming in January or February, or could be that, uh, what is it, the Exterminators series with a Cable leading a, a crew of weirdos. Or maybe we'll get a Storm ongoing, which... If this issue's any indication on what that might look like, uh, I'm not sure that would be uh, the funnest thing to have to uh, peruse every month. So yeah, I wasn't the hugest fan of this issue. Like I said in the, at the beginning, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It was just a little bit boring to me. Um, it's taking on characters and concepts that I really don't care too much about. It's got Storm, the only character in the book that I really actually care about, in this whole new dynamic, um, which, again, just isn't appealing to me. Definitely Chris problems. So, I mean, if you're digging this, then that's great. I would never question that. It's just, I mean, it's a space story. It's generic aliens. It's interchangeable characters. It's basically the Chris cocktail for indifference. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but it kind of is what it is, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I wonder how we're going to look back on this volume of S.W.O.R.D. if it is, in fact, ending in uh, just a few months really never found its identity, at least in my opinion. I mean, we've railed on about how it's getting tied up in all these different crossovers, and then when it does get the opportunity to do its own thing, I feel like it uh, it's like, I don't know, it's missed opportunities, right? We've got a wonderful little team here, a crazy little team, weird characters that uh, I, I'd like to see get the spotlight a little bit more. Maybe not, you know, whole issues devoted to Peeper or WizKid, but I mean... Let's see them more, you know, let's have them do something This is like the Marauders problem all over again, right? Where we've got a really, really fun cast It's just we're never allowed to see them And when they do show up, it's basically just to pass through and remind us that they're there It's like, hey, hey, we're all going to Madripoor Oh, we're going to go to the bar, we'll see you in five issues It's It just makes a lot of the characters feel like an afterthought 
And it's unfortunate, but I mean, but I suppose it's just a case of it is what it is. But I think that's about all I have to say about this issue. Um, We do not have anything in the mailbag today, which, to be honest, is probably just as well, because I am quite exhausted, and if there were letters in the mailbag, I probably would have let them go till next episode anyway. But uh, we do, of course, have our shout-out section here, where I'd like to thank anybody and everybody who's engaged with the social media posts that I uh, send out about this show. Whether you're replying, liking, sharing, whatever it is, uh, I definitely appreciate it. So on Twitter, I'd like to thank Jesse D. Young, Jeremiah, Walt Nealon, Billy D., Ed Moore, Dave Schultz, 21st Century Boys, Joe Crawford, The Long Box of Darkness, The Long Box Crusade, Mark Jagger, and The Scary Stuff Podcast. Over on Facebook, I want to thank Joe Crawford, Chris Bailey, Jesse D. Young, Pat Sampson, Andrew Franklin, Walt Nealand, and Billy D. Thank you all so much for helping to raise the profile of this little program even just a little bit. Now, while we're thanking people, I mean, I, I, I think I'm overusing that segue. I almost like cringe every time I say, while well, I'm thanking people, because I, I, I feel like if it's something that just becomes automatic, the oomph kind of leaves it, and I, I, I don't want anybody to think that I'm just going through the motions here. Anytime I'm thanking people, it is it is absolutely sincere, and it's uh, from a position of, you know, awe, really. Just a awe and just a swelling of pride. So I want to thank the patrons over at patreon.com slash xlapsed. Uh, Andrew Franklin, Ed Moore, Walt Nealon, Jeremiah, Jason Colby, The Scary Stuff Podcast, Jesse D. Young, Damian, Peter McPherson, and Mark Jagger. Thank you all so much for believing in me and for your support. It really does mean, it really does mean a lot to me. It means the world. So thank you all so much. Um, before we get out of here, uh, we do have a little bit of news. This is my new obsession, following Penguin Random House drama. Um, it looks like... With the most recent uh, shipments, I don't know if they were new books or replacement books, but the most recent shipment that I've seen images of, it features the books being wrapped in bubble wrap. Which, hey, that's a step in the right direction, right? Uh, It's in bubble wrap. Uh, I'm looking right now at an empty DCBS box that I'm using to collect all the uh, empty water bottles that I drink while I do this show. And they have, like, these... uh, These, like, chunky styrofoam... Things that kind of, it looks like they're built perfectly to house and keep the comics from just shuffling around the box. And as mentioned, you know, I've gotten shipments that have had literal boot prints on the box and they still, the books come out perfectly fine. They're, they're packed with such care. They're packed in such a way that if there is anything wrong with it, it's almost definitely not DCBS's fault. It's probably something that happened at the print shop that was missed. It's it's very seldom DCBS's fault, if, if at all. So bubble wrap, step in the right direction. However, from a few folks that, uh, that I've been able to read about here, eh, still have some damage. Still have some damage. Um, and, you know, I, I guess for full disclosure here, when I order from DCBS, I order with the bags and boards. So that's very important. It's a big piece of the puzzle here that I I have left out to this point, which I'm I'm guessing that probably also aids in the books coming undamaged. It's an extra layer of protection. Maybe that's a direction they ought to go when they ship from a random house, at least for the start until they get their bearings about them. I'd see such a thing as like a wonderful showing of good faith in that um, they actually care about the product that they're shipping. 
they can save the retailers money on bagging and boarding their own books. Um, I feel like this could be a nice mea culpa from them for literally destroying a good portion of the past couple of weeks' worth of shipments. So I don't know where it's going to go from here. It feels like we're getting updates on this a couple times a week, which is great because it is living comics history, and uh, as fake-ass comics historians... It's nice to be a part of it, right? We're, we're following it minute by minute. I'm friggin' CNN here about uh, Penguin Random House shipping. But I'm hoping that everyone listening got their books in, I want to say perfect condition. I was going to say suitable condition, but no, screw that. I want you to get your books in perfect condition. So let me know if you are or aren't. I'd love to hear your experience. And uh, rest assured, in probably two or three weeks, I will share with you all my Experience and what I received from DCBS. If I received all the books, if I received none of the books, if I received half the books or damaged books, we'll uh, we'll talk about it. We will talk about it as it uh, as it comes to be. So, if you'd like to reach out to me to discuss your Penguin Random House shipments or anything, please feel free to do so. You could find me several different ways. You could find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You could shoot me an email over to Weird Comics. Weird? No, Weird Comics History. That's where I'm at. Weird Comics History at gmail.com. You figure this should be, uh, you know, tongue muscle memory at this point, but at 260 something episodes in, it's still not. So, uh, Twitter Ace Comics. Weird Comics History at gmail.com. The X Labs voicemail hotline is 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearth.com. You can check us out on Facebook. The little group is 90s X-Men. And, of course, for the archives, you can go to chrisandreggie.podbean.com, available anywhere you find noise on the Internet. And it's been a while since I asked, but uh, if you like what you hear or at least appreciate the effort that goes into it uh, each and every day, I would love for you to spread the word, maybe uh, tell a friend or two about the show. Finally, uh, the Patreon, patreon.com slash xlapsed. You find a lot of extra content there, some behind-the-scenes stuff, and some first-run programming as well. We're having a lot of fun over there, and I uh, hope to see you there. But I think that's about all i got to say for today. I would like to thank you all so much for sharing some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.